Hello and welcome. I'm Cassandra Ray, Spiritual Director of the Center for Spiritual Living White Rock. We're a learning center of practical spirituality. This means that we practice and teach spiritual tools for personal and global transformation. So wherever you are on your path, whether you're soaring or struggling, there's a place for you here. We believe that you're surrounded and supported by an infinite loving presence of power and potential. That you are powerful beyond measure and together we awaken to our spiritual magnificence. Our podcast captures a live inspirational message from our gatherings on Sundays in South Surrey. Enjoy. Christmas morning And I'll race you to the tree I don't really think you know How much the gift of you means to me Cause there's nowhere else on Christmas I wanna be so tender. Did you feel it in your heart? Yeah. Did you feel it move and feel the, the tenderness of being connected to someone you love? Yeah. Thank you for that. Do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up, when you were a kid? What did you want to be what did you want to do when you grew up? I was the, well, I am the youngest of three daughters. And I was always chasing my older sisters around, wanting to do everything they were doing. And I wasn't the youngest, you know, I didn't want to be the baby. I wanted to run around and be just where they were, even though they were older than me. 
It's funny because I don't mind being the baby now. <laughs> now I'm like, great, this is wonderful. But I remember as a very young child trying to keep up with them. And, and I, I've always loved to read and to go to school, like, from, like before I can even remember. And so, you know, adults like to ask kids, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I remember this one time, I was really young, like really small and really little, and somebody asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I kid you not, I told them, I want to be an obstetrician gynecologist. <laughs> <laughs> I was so young, I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> the words were like bigger than me. I probably didn't even say it right, but I wanted to impress them with my vocabulary <laughs> and how much I knew and how mature I was for such a young child. <laughs> Oh man, if I could just like <coughs> hug that little girl who said that, right? Mm. And it's it's funny how um, as you gr as you grow up, you know, as a child, how you can have little inklings of of your soul's calling, right? When I was uh, in grade school, I used to come home from school and I would line up all of my teddy bears and, and my Barbies and dolls. And, and then I would pretend that I was teaching them what I learned that day in school. And the, the closet door was my chalkboard. <laughs> and I would pretend to write on the chalkboard and I would teach them everything. and scold them when they didn't turn in their homework. It's funny, I didn't even have homework at that age, uh, but I wanted it because my sisters had it, right? So I wanted to be, I would make up homework and, do, and, and then have it all done and, and, and turned in on time. <laughs> my teacher's like, thanks? <laughs> oh man, and then, you know, as we get older, our ideas of like what's possible begin to shift and change. They're molded often by um, what people tell us we're capable of or what we're good at or what they want for us. So we begin to kind of move from this childlike openness and playfulness and possibility and it begins to kind of whittle itself down into something more realistic or something more expected or something more traditional. And it's funny when I graduated high school and people asked me, you know, what are you going to do? I said, well, I think I'm going to go to college and I'm going to I'm going to major in either theater arts. I was a total like thespian nerd in high school and uh, or or maybe liberal arts and I'll be a teacher. It's funny because I really didn't even know what liberal arts meant at the time. <laughs> but I thought that's what teachers study. So that's what I'll study. 
And as it turns out, I didn't go to college after high school. I just didn't know how to pay for it or how to navigate that system, and so I just didn't go. I went to work, uh, got pregnant, got married. Yes, it was in that order. <laughs> and then it wasn't until much later on when I wanted more for myself and my family that I went to college and got a degree. And at that point then, I was like, well, I'm either going to be a medical social worker or an accountant. <laughs> Can you believe I became an accountant? <laughs> so crazy. But I was a single mom, and I needed to support my family. And so I went the route that required the least amount of education for the highest income that I could get. And so that's really how I made my decision. I've often been grateful that I didn't become a medical social worker at that time because um, I'm thinking that um, if I had, I would have had just enough satisfaction to not continue to grow and to not really be where I'm called to be, which is here. And there were many things that happened in between all of that that I'm not going to tell you about, but I want to talk about today about how there is within you an indelible blueprint of unrivaled individuality, the singular being that each of us exists to express. That is a quote by Michael Bernard Beckwith from his book called Life Visioning. You see, at this time of year, as we end one year and move into the next, many of us begin to reflect on where we've been and where we want to go. And so this indelible blueprint that is inside of you, it is guiding you and calling you to your highest purpose to your deepest expression in each and every moment. And it could be even when you were a young child that you could hear it more clearly than you can now. Because there's a lot of messages and conditioning that happen from then until now. Like my grade school self totally knew, right? Those little teddy bears could have been my congregation. <laughs> the cool thing about Michael Bernard Beckwith and this life visioning process that he channeled and created and, and gave to the New Thought community is that it helps us to begin to quiet those messages of who you were told you are and to begin to start to listen inward, to start to listen to that still small voice within you that's calling you home. And so the cool thing about, about your soul's calling 
and this is, I'm quoting here, Michael Bernard Beckwith says, we are already fully equipped with what it takes to live the highest vision for our life. All we have to do is tap into it to discover it within ourselves and put it into action. We're fully equipped right now. And I mean, that's a stretch for me because I often feel lacking in a skill or a tool or an ability or confidence. But it's helpful to remember that that is true, that we are fully equipped. Even when we're afraid, even when we're unsure, even when we doubt ourselves, we are still fully equipped to tap into that indelible blueprint. And the cool thing about a blueprint, right, is that all the ways in which it needs to be realized are already in it, are already there. Hello. <laughs> Good, we needed a little wake up and a little shake up. Visioning, the practice of visioning, is the way we can quiet the outer noise, sometimes the cell phones, and, and begin to listen to the blueprint, to listen to the calling of the heart. And it's a meditative practice where you ask a series of questions. Now, we're actually not going to do the practice together today. However, we are going to talk about five foundational qualities for practicing life visioning. So before you even get to the process in the book that lays out what it is and how to do it, there are five qualities that he presents as a way to sharpen our senses to begin to tune into what's here. Because sometimes there's quite a bit of stuff that can come up or stop us from listening to the whisper of that blueprint, to the calling of that blueprint. So this first one, this first foundational quality is willingness. Willingness. Rather than use our willpower, we express our willingness. Michael Bernard Beckwith says, where there is willfulness, there is a wall. And where there is willingness, there is a way. Man, that pushes my buttons. 
because sometimes it seems to me like I need my willfulness. You know, that I need to like put a stake in the ground and like be like, I don't care what you say, I know this is who I am and where I'm going. Right? And that is true. Oftentimes we do need to do that with loved ones in our life. But when it comes to turning inward and thinking about and tuning into that vision, willfulness can stop us from hearing clearly. Right? It kind of, sometimes for me it shows up as like, no, it has to be this way. No, I need that degree first. Or no, I need this to happen X, Y, Z before I can do that. Right? That's often where my willfulness shows up in telling spirit, telling my soul, telling that blueprint how it needs to be. I do really wish sometimes that worked. <laughs> I just haven't found that it does. And when I can step into willingness, then I'm willing to be patient. I'm willing to stick around and listen. I'm willing to open up to possibility. Like maybe this is calling me. And it truly has been the willingness, even just to consider, that has opened doors for me. I have this practice, I journal every morning, most mornings. And when I go the next day to journal for today, I always read the day before, and I see where was I at yesterday. And then I do my current day's journaling. One of the things I wrote this week, when I was looking back and reading it, was something to the effect of, I'm willing to believe this is possible. I was writing down some affirmations about myself, excuse me, and I didn't actually believe them, right? They were beyond what I could believe about myself. But I wrote them down anyway, and then I wrote, I'm willing to believe these are possible. I'm willing to believe that I can believe. So something to think about is, how do you know when you're being willful versus willing? How does it feel for you? What kind of thoughts do you think when you're in that willing space? The second one is receptivity. And Michael Bernard Beckwith says, receptivity is an open, spacious mind and heart that tills the soil of consciousness into a fertile ground of yes. So when we're receptive, we're willing to let go. Right, I'm reminded of in order to physically pick something up, I have to open my hand, let go of whatever it is I have to pick up something new. Receptivity. Receptivity is about being teachable, about being coachable, 
about considering something new. Like, what if your soul's calling is calling you into something you've never done before? <laughs> Are you willing to venture into that unknown? Are you willing to try something new, even if it scares you or puts you on your growing edge? Receptivity is a belief that you're worthy of receiving it, that you're capable of trying it, and that there is a power greater than you that is guiding you every step along the way. Because hold your horses, grab your chairs. The quality number three is surrender. <laughs> there were some immediate like no <laughs> I know right surrender even just the word is like kind of gives a little chill through the body but this is so cool that surrender what if we think about it in a new way and Michael Bernard Beckwith says surrender means I am available to what wants to emerge through me. I give my consent to it. Man, that does give me chills right along the back of my head. I give consent to it. I, I see why he calls this one surrender because it certainly does call for us to let go of control. I guess that's why it makes me anxious. Because I'd rather, I'd rather control it and know exactly how it's gonna unfold and know every step. I'm going from here to here and I know each way along the way. Man, the best things in my life have never unfolded that way. <laughs> They've always surprised me. And, and, and there's been this, this path that's taken me to unexpected places. Even sometimes I'm like, why did I do that? Like, for example, I went to grad school and I, I trained as a marriage and family therapist. And I have never practiced as a therapist before, as a profession. And for many years, I was like, why did I even do that? I mean, grad school's expensive, right? It's super time consuming and ex my whole, I mean, huge two-year ordeal. It wasn't until years later that I realized why I went to grad school. And that is because it was in grad school that I began to learn about privilege, about <coughs> racism, about sexism, and the structural ways in which it plays out in society. I started learning about equity and inclusion in grad school. I had honestly never learned about those topics before grad school. And it was, it was really the place where I started to understand what it means to be an activist, and what it means to stand up for something in society. And that is just an integral part of my ministry. 
And without that, there would be something missing. So I followed that inner calling to a path that I didn't even know how it was going to end up. Actually, that's not true. I did already know at that time that I would be a minister. In fact, it was the same year that I, that I heard the calling to become a minister that I went to grad school. The same exact year. So my soul knew, my blueprint knew, spirit knew that that was an important education for me, even if it wasn't A to Z with this expected outcome. Surrender. What are you willing to give your consent to? Oh man, this gets harder before it gets easier. Because number four, in the foundational qualities for practicing visioning, is discipline. Discipline. You know, I'd say that discipline is right up there with surrender, in terms of sometimes we can think of these words in a negative light. But what's so cool about Michael Bernard Beckwith is that he says, discipline is a form of freedom. It applies discernment to the life choices we make and allows us to change direction in mid-course if required. Discipline is to do what it takes to wake up because enlightened living is our priority in life. Wow. When I think about discipline as a form of freedom, then I start, then I'd be like, okay, I could consider discipline. I'm willing to, to get on board with that kind of discipline because I do want freedom. I do want to wake up. I do want to be enlightened. I want to be a healing presence on the planet. So what do I need to do in order to cultivate the courage, the clarity, the confidence, in order to take action upon the vision that is inside me calling to me? That is my question for you. What form of discipline do you need to experience your freedom and to be actively engaged in the conscious evolution of your soul? Because that's what we're really talking about. And it might look different than it's looked in the past, especially like this time of year. There's so many people who are making New Year's resolutions, right, or kind of re-upping their commitment to something. And I would just encourage each one of you to just take a pause to what maybe you would normally do or what you have done in the past and just check in with your inner guidance about what kind of discipline you need now. Maybe it's different than it has been. Thankfully, number five is a little bit easier. More familiar, at least, because the fifth foundational quality is gratitude. Oh, and I love what he says about this. Gratitude is a prayer that acknowledges the gift of existence, that we can laugh, dance, sing, love, eat, create, 
celebrate, heal, transform, and that we have been fully equipped to become self-realized beings. Yeah. I like that kind of gratitude. I was listening to music on the drive-in this morning in the car, doing a little, you know, head bop, shoulder move to the music. And it was one of my sister's favorite songs came on the, the radio. And I was just imagining dancing in the kitchen with my sister to one of her favorite songs. And that is, that's the feeling tone of gratitude inside of me. That no matter how difficult life might be, that I can still take a pause and I can dance in the kitchen to music with my loved ones. That was something my husband and I started doing when we were selling our house to move here. Oh man, was that stressful. <laughs> oh, it took way longer than we thought it would to sell our home. And every showing was really hard on the dogs and I, right? Because I, we had to leave and, and it might be raining or, or it might be cold. My dogs are like five pounds. They're like little sensitive beings. They need, you know, they don't even like being outside. <laughs> We probably had like a hundred showings too by the time all was said and done. It was crazy. And that was, uh, that's one of my fondest memories of that time was dancing in the kitchen with Will. Because it was just so crazy at times, there was nothing you could do but laugh. Because it was just that ridiculous. The dogs get a little freaked out by the dancing. <laughs> dogs are like, don't step on me. <laughs> oh, man. I have some homework for you. Yeah. You better turn it in on time. <laughs> I'm going to just read to you from Life Visioning, from Michael Bernard Beckwith here. Okay, I'm just going to read it. Embodying the five foundational qualities that support your visioning practice is made easier by incorporating simple practices into your daily routine. For example, when you awaken in the morning, instead of immediately running your day's agenda through your mind, just pause Take a breath and offer gratitude that you are on the planet another day to enjoy those who love you and whom you love. Before leaving for your workplace, even if just for a short period of time, discipline yourself to meditate, bless your day, and send out blessings to the world. On your way to taking the kids to school or running errands, Surrender to what you encounter throughout the day by realizing it is all part of your spiritual practice. Things like 
being patient with traffic and irritating drivers who also wish to arrive at their destination on time, long lines at the grocery store, and so on. Be willing to stop and assist someone by holding open a door, offering a smile. As you walk through your day's activities, instead of taking things and people for granted, be receptive to the hand of the grace easing the way for you through them. Yes, it can be simple to cultivate these qualities within yourself, to become available for that which wants to be known and created and expressed through you. No one else can do that. No one else can create the indelible blueprint that has been planted inside of you. That's your sacred calling. And remember that you are fully equipped to realize it in this lifetime. And so it is. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We're supported 100% by your generous contributions. If you found value in this episode, please give online at csl-whiterock.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter so that you'll be notified of future episodes as well as ways to connect, learn, and grow. Thank you and abundant blessings on your path.